everybody. Welcome to the Diarrhea Health Show. Today I have Dr. Patrick Flynn with me. Dr. Patrick, how are you today? Doing absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm excited to have you. You've got a really great bio. You've got a great story. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. And I'm sure my listeners uh, will be just as interested as I am. So let me start by reading your bio so people can get to know you a little bit more. Dr. Patrick Flynn is the founder of the Wellness Way Clinics. In his youth, he experienced a series of events that led him to discover immune and neurological issues. This discovery prompted Dr. Flynn to begin his health journey, define his life purpose, and initiate the pursuit of his own education. It ultimately led him into a dynamic career where he's created a totally different approach to healthcare. He's attended numerous colleges, taken countless classes from prestigious learning institutions, including Palmer College of Chiropractic, National Health Sciences, and the Harvard Medical School HMX Foundation, uh, I'm sorry, HMX Fu- Fundamentals Online Certification Program in Immunology. Uh, he is the best-selling author of the book, I Disagree, a wildly popular public seminar, The Hormone Connection, and has been interviewed by hundreds of thousands, uh, has been viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. Dr. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And yes. tell us, how did you get here? You, you, you alluded in your bio to some health challenges you had personally. Yep. Is that where this started? Yeah, it started um, with me as a child uh, being diagnosed as in third grade as a juvenile delinquent. And um, obviously back then, I'm 47 now, you know, obviously that's, you know, from 40 years ago, um, had some health issues that they obviously didn't know much about that way, uh, led to some psychiatric things going on. And and obviously it uh, it transpired from there, me figuring them out as a teenager. So even though I had them as a young child, it took me my teenage years to really figure out what was going on. And today, as John Hopkins has actually coined the term, you end up with the gut-brain connection that you can have things that are disrupting your, your, your GI and all the, all the neurotransmitters that affect your brain. And that was happening. Started to figure that I was a teenager uh, and actually started to see my health uh, transition because the medical system was actually failed dramatically, which is kind of the story that not only have we seen over the last 40 years, but also even currently the last two years with, with COVID and different things. But the idea is this, is uh, I transitioned, but that wasn't the big thing that um, really set up my career to where we have um, uh, Wellsway approach all over the world. It uh, stemmed from when all of a sudden, um, as I was starting to figure these things out and going in a really different direction, um, I met this beautiful young lady when I was 24. I wasn't even a doctor yet. And, um, and I met her and she said that she couldn't have children. And it was interesting because obviously, as I fast forward the story, and that's where I, the book had become a bestseller nationwide or international is the fact that uh, she told she couldn't have kids. Uh, she was through, been through the same thing, medical, uh, medical people, massive failures. And um, then the doctors were really trying to ethnically help her, but there was no good end in sight. And obviously today, fast forward, you know, we have uh, been married for over 20 years now and have four beautiful daughters. And so that set up the story of how I figured out things as I was a young teenager, but also in female hormones, which has I built my whole career on, um, which men, which has gotten me to talk about hormones uh, for both male and female, but also developed some things in healthcare that weren't really well done until I put them into practice some 23 years ago. And now we actually are practiced by all forms of doctors all over the world. Fantastic. And, and part of your instruction and training, you use the fireman and carpenter yeah. analogy. Tell us about that. Well, when I started practice back, like I said, 23 years ago, um, what you think of this way, there, there's, there's, People really search for one thing, and and let me get this. And I know what every one of the listeners wants when it comes to health. That's what they want. You know, Sam. People don't realize they don't want to not be sick. They want to be healthy. And if I ask every person, no matter where I speak, say who wants to be healthy, everybody raises their hand. Okay, for the kids, their families, everything like that. 
But I'm going to tell you right now that our current form of healthcare system will never help you accomplish that. Now, that's a very bold thing to say, but I, and, and I created an analogy to give you an example of why that would happen. Because I started practice and started practicing this way, but it didn't make a lot of sense because people couldn't really distinguish the difference. So I said, I want you to picture like medicine like they're the fire department. If somebody has cancer, die, uh, heart disease, something they could die from, let's call it a fire. You know, the fire department uses axes and hoses, drugs or surgery to put up the fire. And you may even survive. So if you had a heart attack right now, I would actually call 911 for you, hopefully get you to the emergency room, use drugs or surgery to keep you alive. God bless. We have a great system. That way we rank one of the best in the world. We actually think we rank second in the world. Um, but here's what happens. If the wonderful doctors, surgeons, anesthesiologists, nurses do a wonderful job of saving your life, what happens is this. They never found out what caused your fire. Um, and on top of it, here's what happens this. They don't do anything to help rebuild the house. They leave you with a burnt up house. And then what they do is even worse is they say, we're going to water your house down every single day for the rest of your life. Don't believe me? Have a heart attack and say, how long do you have to take this cholesterol drug, aspirin, and all these things? Forever. Okay? Well, if I sp sprayed your house down every single day, your chance of having a fire would be a lot less. But it would rot your house out. So today we have more doctors, hospitals, uh, uh, government involvement, and everything in history across the world. Yet we have more heart disease, cancer, diabetes, infertility, every condition in the world. Because you know why? We're in so dominant fire department thinking, aka medical thinking, that we have a bunch of rotten people running around like crazy, yet we have more medical and natural things ever in history. So when I realized that the medical profession, the fire department people were, were trying to take care of me um, as a young kid, or my wife who actually suffered from endometriosis, ulcerative colitis, cystic acne, and cluster headaches, they only have one method of drugs or surgery, axes and hoses. And when that doesn't work, they say there's nothing you can do. So I said, listen, what if I could actually figure out what each house needs, rebuild it, find out what causes fires and get it back to normal. And I started to do things so dramatically different than anybody ever did before I started doing this. And I, no joke, I had to create this myself. And what happened was I started to get clinical results that nobody else got. So I went from one little office in Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin, to well over 100 offices across the world now and growing every single month because, especially with COVID, we need more carpenter doctors in history because a strong house, doesn't matter what virus comes in, it'll kick it out like a cold. A burnt up weak house, which is most people, they freak out of a little protein and fatty acid. Yeah. So part of your story then must include diagnostic differences. Uh, our Western medical system, I agree with much of what you said in terms of they're good at diagnosing, but it's kind of the fire's already there. Yep. And now we're looking at putting it out. Now, they, they are pretty good at, at figuring out what's going on, putting a label on it. Yep. Uh, but as you mentioned, causes are a different thing. Now you mentioned that your expertise has become figuring out what little starter fires may be going on in that, in that building now. So, so how does your diagnostic method differ say from uh, traditional Western methods? Well, we don't use any diagnostic method because diagnosis is all based on fires and diseases. Let me give you an example. See, if someone says, well, you have breast cancer. Okay, great. They're going to use chemotherapy, radiation, uh, um, you know, any surgery, any form to do what your immune system should have already done but they never checked the hormonal changes or even actually the immune changes that even led to that in the first place. And we, uh, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the ma major contributor to breast cancers itself is not lacking pink ribbon awareness out there, okay? The reason why I bring that up because I think the pink ribbons are, are actually kind of ridiculous because we don't need more breast cancer awareness. We need a different approach to breast cancer because we're, I think every person in the world right now is aware of breast cancer. And the rates keep on going up because our same form of therapy has not changed ever. Um, but there's things that we do know about it. We know that there's a dominant form of estrogen there. And that's when I realized when my wife suffered from, from um, endometriosis, 
that's kind of a very common uh, estrogen-based uh, situation. So when I went to our doctors and said, let me see what you guys are doing. And then I realized it's not about diagnosis because diagnosis is you're already sick, okay? And here's a label we put on it. And we're going to treat this. And that's why our whole system is based. We don't have a healthcare system. We have a disease management system that will manage you for the rest of your life. And that's why they're so wealthy. And that's why we have these big hospital buildings and big insurance companies. But I looked and said, wow, I dug so deep into female hormones. I realized that not only have they moved everything towards a diagnosis, like you talk about that way, they don't even understand the most basic thing about hormones. Let me give you an example. Uh, Dave, you and I being males, we dominate in one major hormone, even though both men and women have the same hormones. And Dave, what do you think that hormone is that, that makes us who we are? Testosterone. We know that, okay? There's testosterone, there's free testosterone, very simply done on a blood test. And no joke, on my show last week, I talked about how, for example, we're at an all-time low for teenage, 20s, and 30s for testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. And instead of actually, you know, find out where it's come from, which is very easy to see where it comes from, uh, we're just going to give them synthetic replacements. We're going to just going to wait till they have impotence and give them a drug to react to it once again. And they can even diagnose them with impotence. But the idea is this. When it comes to females, they have a dominant hormone. And Dave, you want to take a guess, and maybe you're never taught, but what is the dominant hormone that makes a woman a woman? Estrogen. What if I told you you've been lied to and estrogen is not a hormone? Okay. And see, that's where I realize that most women are misled, and most doctors have no clue about it. And then, so it's not really a diagnosis. It's understanding how the body works, because I'm a carpenter doctor. I know I actually find the blueprint how to rebuild it. And then I realized, I looked at my, my wife's labs and I said, wow, their estrogen is not a hormone. Estrogen is a term that describes many hormones. And so when I look at any woman, okay, if you have a wife, if you have, if you have a sister, you have a, you have a cousin, I have never in my 23 years of career of doing this have ever met a woman that has had all their estrogens tested unless they're seeing one of my docs. Okay, let me explain. Because the reason why they don't is because in order to even test them properly, so it's not, about, it's not about having a diagnosis of condition because we know those estrogens can lead to not only endometriosis, cancers, other health conditions, psychiatric problems that way. And they, each one of those estrogens can affect a different part of the body. But what happened is I said, wow, in order to measure them, you need to do multiple tests at once. So for example, is you can't just run in blood and get all your estrogens. You can't just run urine and get all your estrogens. You need to do multiple tests. So I sat back and I called the largest lab in the world back in 1999 and said, can we measure these? And they said, well, sure. But why an insurance won't pay for it? And that's why people say, Doc, you know, you know, insurance needs to pay for this stuff. I'm like, if you depend on insurance, they look at fires and that's all they care about. They're not going to look at how to take care of you. And you, you told me you want health when you first talked about this. So when you to be healthy, you're going to do it yourself. And so what happened is this. I started to realize and started testing all the women's estrogens and started to figure out from a standpoint of what was not only throwing them off, but how it was affecting every function of their body with estrogen actually affects almost every tissue in the body and started to reverse those processes and started to watch endometriosis, cancers, all their things go away crazy. But my maiden factor was actually fertility. Because fertility right now, one out of three couples have some form of problem actually getting pregnant right now. And it's one out of, it's actually, if you're under 25, it's one out of five. So it's at a high rate because of all these hormonal issues, both men and women are going on that way. So really what it comes down to is understand how the body functions compared to actually understand a diagnosis. There's the big difference. Well, uh, and maybe we just have a semantics thing going on here, but to me, the word diagnosis is simply analysis. It's simply finding out if a person comes to you and says, uh, I have this complaint, I'm not sleeping very well. Yeah. To, to me, I, I, I don't conflate the word diagnosis only with Western medicine. I, I believe diagnosis is just a general term for figuring out if there's a problem. So whether it's a small problem, like I've got this rash 
uh, can you check out why I have this rash on my arm? Uh, to me, it's just the word diagnosis simply means uh, having an expert try to determine the cause of a, of a problem. Right. Well, the, now, the, we have to always do this. Semantics are actually very important because if you speak like I do on the biggest stage in the world all across the country and you walk into a medical seminar or walk into a natural seminar or walk into a chiropractic seminar or walk into all these, it's very important because obviously, and also when you talk yeah. about diagnosis, you're also getting an insurance world about going those things that way. And so it's very important because uh, analysis is actually very different than diagnosis. And so as a doc, okay. you got to so say that- very important on your terms. So that's yep. where you split the hairs between diagnosis and analysis. Yep. And so to me, those, those mean the same thing right. as just a lay person going to an expert to get health, whether I'm going to a chiropractor right. or a doctor to me, the, but thanks for clarifying that. Yep. That makes more sense. Yep. Okay. Now. Uh, and so when I asked that question, what do you do diagnostically differently? Yep. Uh, I should have said analysis, yep. you know, what analysis yes. are you doing differently? So, well, so customers are coming to you. And they're, they're, they've got various complaints. Yep. Um, and then your doc, your team goes to work. And um, h- how how do they they proceed? How do they do that uh, analysis? You you mentioned some yeah. unique blood tests you're doing. Yep. Is there other things you're doing uniquely in the beginning uh, uh, period with a new patient? Yeah, because you think this way. If you think about what people want to truly accomplish, and it's actually the truly opposite of disease and fires and all the sickness going on, it's actually health. And so what you have yeah. to do is this. You have to say, okay, listen, but you're going to find out, and this is why I love doing podcasts and explaining because semantics are very important. If you look at the true definition of health, health is not the absence of disease. Actually, they even define it. WHO says just because you're absent disease doesn't mean you're healthy, okay? Yeah. It's really about how well all your body functions, Okay. So, you know, for example, so we would look at the function of the heart, the function of the hormones, the function of the liver. The, all those are actually either immunological or biochemical pathways that now can be done uh, from an analysis standpoint with testing, and yeah. which has nothing to do with pathology. So that's why, that's why they're, they're not considered a diagnosis. Because if you yeah. notice that you're deficient in an enzyme or you're toxic in something, and so what, what I started to do is I started to go, okay, listen. By running certain labs, and it could be anything from urine to blood to stool to anything that way, you're, what you're going to find out there's three major things that really disrupt that function. And, and I coined it in a little term, just like, like say it's like I call it the three T's, trauma, toxins, and thoughts. Okay, And so, for example, uh, I always tell people this. If we look at the medical and natural world, because the medical and natural world are exactly the same thing. And because they know they're not, they're dramatically different. No, they're not. Actually, here's a common question for everybody. Doc, I'm taking levothyroxine. What could I take instead of that? What can I take naturally? Well, all they're trying to do is keep the fire department thinking and replace it with something natural. And that's why I said we have more natural things ever in history. Yeah. We have more availability yeah. to it, and we're still sick as ever because the thinking right. has to change the carpenter. So therefore, I tell people this, is I want you to picture this. I want you to picture, just look at how the body works when it comes to blood pressure, okay? And a lot of people don't realize this, is that their big toe controls their heart. And I know it fascinates people when I say that, and I say, well, let me do my favor. I'm going to step and smash your big toe. What happens to your heart rate? And they say, well, they giggle and they say, well, it goes up. Well, so is your blood pressure. Now, I want you to think about this. So if I keep my foot on your blood pressure because I create that trauma that was there, um, should we run to the doctor and give you some medication? And I have, an, I, have, I have all fields from medical to nurse practitioners, MDs, pharmacists, all the things that can work in my clinics. And should I run down to my nurse practitioner that's down here right now and say, can you prescribe them a high blood pressure medication? And people say, well, doc, that's stupid. No, you wouldn't do that. Well, then let's do this. Let's grab every herb that could possibly affect the blood pressure, maybe B vitamins, maybe magnesium, maybe potassium. Should I give him that? People say, well, but Doc, no, get off his damn toe. Okay, exactly. Now, I know 
everybody kind of thinks that's so simple. But you know the number one reason why people go into the doctor over the age 40 is? High blood pressure. Tomorrow, 1 million people walk in the doctor with high blood pressure, and they won't look for a bad toe. Now, remember, that's not the only thing, okay? Because the trauma can actually, a trauma could be, that's why one of the degrees I went for is being a chiropractor, because here's what happens this. That trauma can really affect the function, and it can throw off any part of the body. But there's more than that. There's toxins and deficiencies. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, I'm not on social media just because I got kicked off because of all the COVID stuff. But the idea is this. The COVID vaccine, by definition, even is a toxin. That's why there's so many problems that come from it. And that's why I'm against it, okay? Because the, 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 the question is, the, does COVID vaccine make your immune system normal? Well, no. That's actually bad for your health. It's a toxin. But you can eat toxins. You can breathe in toxins. And so you can test for all this stuff. And also deficiencies lead to those problems. You know, for example, if we have, you know, mineral or actually, especially our fat soluble vitamins deficiencies, it leads to major problems that actually interfere with all those functions. Because even for the heart uh, to work properly, it needs coenzyme Q10, okay? Which obviously the best food source is actually eating heart itself. And it's quite interesting because if we look at statin drugs, one of the side effects of statin drugs is what? Lowers coenzyme Q10. That's why statin drugs actually cause heart disease. Isn't it funny because people think it actually helps heart disease, it actually causes heart disease. It even lists as a side effect because it lowers your natural coenzyme Q10 because that toxin interferes with how the body works. And then there's the biggest thing that I think affects women more than anything. Thoughts, mental stress. I can prove beyond a shadow of doubt and, and, look, and, and actually have documented over a million labs that on this. I'm saying this, no joke. I personally looked over 100,000 plus labs in my whole career just on female hormones itself. But I'll tell you right now, and we probably with all the offices across the world, we have well over millions of uh, labs documented on this. Mental stress will kill women faster than anything. By far it will. And so those things all start to interfere with the function. And what if I told people that you can actually run specific labs that can actually guide you on what's affecting each person's body. And what happens is this. It's different for everybody. It's very different for everybody. And that's where individualized approach is so important and actually addressing those things. And on top of it, it can change. It can, it can change. And so that's where we've really taken the time of actually spending with thousands of doctors to talk about my bio that way um, in all professions. It didn't matter if you're in the natural world, doesn't matter if you're in the medical world. When, when people really want to accomplish health, and most doctors, regardless of their profession, want to get in to help people. But the sad part is we've seen it with COVID. It proved it. Um, medicine is not controlled by doctors. It's controlled by bureaucracy. It's controlled by upper-level pharmaceutical drug companies. You saw it over the last two years, even though we've been screaming it for 40 years. It's just that COVID really showed the corruption stuff that really happens behind the scenes. So I want to talk about this is something that many people are talking about now, and a lot of thought leaders in the space are, are agreeing with what you're saying about stress, uh, having a stress management program yep. as an underlying and critical part of, of your, your health plan. And, and this is uh, uh, not what not the messaging we've heard over the last uh, 20 years or so. It's yep. just coming to the forefront now. Um, and, but typically, um, uh, you know, it's certainly not the first thing your average practitioner goes to. It's let's talk about a stress management program. And so you've identified this as well. I've had several people on my podcast and we've had several uh, episodes on meditation and mindfulness and stress management programs of various types. What is your answer? What is your top recommendation to people as far as developing their own stress management program? Number one, awareness, okay? And here's why. Because if anybody goes into fight or flight from mental stress that way, there's a major biochemical shift. So by getting proper labs done, you can actually show it. Um, I've had to sit down with 
once again, thousands of women through my career and show them a lab and go, look at your hormones. Your stress hormones are off the chart. It's causing this whole process, your body. Talk about diagnostic or basically analysis. Here's your labs and stuff of that. And you would be surprised. I can honestly tell you, I know a lot of people try to give like a plan for each person, which is very important, but I can tell you being a shadow of a doubt, just by people seeing the awareness of how it's really a negative effect in the body actually got people to know when they had a stressful situation, they moved away from it. They moved away from it because, and if it was a job, if it was a certain relationship, if it was a spouse, and, and I think awareness was always the biggest thing. And I think our current medical system, our fire department system, as my analogy goes, is so has nothing for it with the exception of when you finally fall apart and end up on an antidepressant. And the really sad stat is six out of 10 women have taken some form of antidepressant, which is really sad. But the idea is this, they let them fall apart because they never even address the things that can lead to that. And we're seeing it become more and more because we're actually treating kids more like adults and their bodies are not ready to handle it. And that's why you're seeing major problems with these kids. And then they're giving them antidepressants, which one of the number one side effects is suicide. <laughs> and and they're, they're leading them down a bad path. And see, because here's what happens this. When you're so governed in the medical fire department thinking, when your only tools of operation are actually drugs or surgery, and that's primary health care, it's a bad day for people. Yeah. And, and my average listener is not there. Um, the average person listening to this show, yep. uh, most are female between the ages yep. of 30 and 70. They're, they're educated. They understand yep. fitness and nutrition. Uh, they're not necessarily um, uh, competitive athletes yeah. as much as health enthusiasts. So I think you're, you're, you're talking to a crowd that agrees with you. So we're already preaching to the choir when it comes Good. to taking care of yourself with natural means. Yep. And so step two then, awareness is fine. Uh, not just fine. I, I like what you're saying. But yep. knowing the problem and being aware that you have a stress problem is uh, step one that makes a lot of yep. sense. Uh, step two, and and you also alluded to different plans for different people. Yep. So is it h- how many plans are there or are there some basics that you, there's some, you advise? There's some wonderful, when it comes to stress management, there's some wonderful basics. And I think, and I, I always try to do for patients that by far the most cost-effective things, by far. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I will tell you right now, and I'm just speaking from my own clinical experience, and I have enough, and I have enough doctors across the world to justify that way. I'm telling you now, breathing techniques probably are my, my after awareness, probably mm. my second most favorite thing by far. Cool. There's nothing that can change your state faster than changing your breathing. It can change, it can change you psychologically. It can change the whole physiology of your body. Um, posture, you know, that, that say, you, you say, well, a person looks down or well, their head down, shoulders down, pot, you know, yeah. Sam? Touch, so, touch so, forward. Exactly. And yeah, so, yeah. And, 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 and so those things now, drunk. Do I love meditation? Do I love yoga? Do I love uh, everything? Everything. Actually, no joke. You'd be surprised in speaking with women. I believe this is incredibly important because remember, my whole career was pretty much based on fertility and women, all the healthcare conditions they dealt with. Um, women, their positive mindset, because women by nature don't have testosterone levels that guys do. So guys always think they're awesome in everything they do. Women don't have that. You know what I'm saying? So women actually have to learn to speak better to themselves because the majority of women don't speak good to themselves. They actually talk very negative themselves. Even though you can see a beautiful woman, you'd be surprised what she says to herself in a day. So those stress-leaving techniques can really go a long ways at a very to little to no cost that way. Now, no joke. I actually have no problem with California poppy, CBD. Uh, I have no problem with marijuana for, if you really want to do it that way. Because, But those are better than moving into a psychiatric realm of actually some form of antidepressant or SSRI. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Another question. You're an expert on hormones. Yep. And um, uh, let's talk about two hormones specifically. I'd love to hear your professional take uh, on adrenaline and cortisol. Yeah. These are yep. two that we hear about a fair amount in relation to stress. Yep. Give, give me your thoughts. First of all, for listeners, tell us the difference between yep. adrenals, adrenal fatigue, yep. having too high of, uh, of adrenaline, how that's different from cortisol. Yep. And then just any thoughts you have on those two hormones. Yeah. So if we look at the big difference is this adrenaline, once again, is going to have less triggers than cortisol. Okay. And this is very important for women because cortisol actually can, no joke, can be a mental stress hormone. Adrenaline is mainly a mental stress hormone. But what does happen with cortisol, cortisol can be activated a lot by sugar because a lot of people do not realize this. If you ever ask a person that says, okay, doc, you know, uh, um, insulin regulates your blood sugar. That's not true. Insulin actually is a hormone that gets it from the blood sugar or from your blood into a cell. What actually mobilizes uh, sugar into the bloodstream is actually cortisol. So when women actually do too much sugar, they can actually throw their adrenals off, can lead to adrenal fatigue or actually even hypo or hyperactivity that way. And then on top of that, this way, cortisol also regulates a lot more things than actually adrenaline does. Like cortisol is actually part of our sleep cycle. Okay. And there's a really good relationship with our melatonin levels in there besides just light. But the idea is this. So cortisol is actually more manageable than adrenaline does. Adrenaline actually okay. has a very short half-life. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it actually, it's put into our system. It's made for massive vasodilation, massive brain response. It actually, it actually it stimulates our ner- nervous system so quickly that what it does now, but actually, once again, it dissipates and breaks down extremely quickly. That's why you don't have an adrenaline rush for a long time. And it actually affects different things. Once again, cortisol doesn't affect our muscles in the fact the way that adrenaline does. That's why you hear this right. aspect that all of a sudden, you know, a person, there's a burning car and a woman lifts the car. That actually has been documented many a times. That doesn't come from cortisol because cortisol long-term will break down muscle tissue. Adrenaline can actually, actually stimulate and build it. So they have yeah. two different physiological effects. But the biggest thing that people don't realize, adrenaline has a very short half-life. That's why you get that rush and it's gone. Cortisol, you don't have that kind of, you don't have that kind of, uh, um, that kind of great breakdown in normalization that way. Now, the one thing that happens with cortisol, if it stays long-term, um, adrenaline can be produced massively. You don't really have low adrenaline ever. Uh, if you would, you would actually probably die because there's always stressors you have to respond to. But cortisol, just like any other hormone, once again, there's stores of it. And also what happens is this, is you can run out its production. You really can. Um, you can do it from actually taking some statin drugs. Statin drugs lower, lower all anabolic hormones. But you got to remember, the, it's, it's a hormone that also is converted very quickly. It comes from progesterone. That's why women are more affected by stress than actually men are. Testosterone doesn't really convert anything into anything besides estrogens, which that's why you know, men can have a lot of female characteristics nowadays. But what does happen with cortisol, that converts to cortisone and all that comes to progesterone. So a lot of inflammatory things can actually drive a woman's cortisol actually abnormal, just like blood sugar can. So blood sugar, cortisol has a much more uh, multi-factor uh, thing that can throw it off. Adrenaline has different physiological characteristics it does. Adrenaline, once again, you're not going to really, unless you had a true genetic factor or a true deformity, uh, but I believe you wouldn't survive long. Uh, and I've never heard of it. They tell you about in certain textbooks that people can have um, low adrenaline. It just doesn't really happen very much. Um, but cortisol, once again, you can actually regulate it. It can actually, and actually it's also a hormone that can be built up on a regular basis. But what happens with most women, and this is why what scares me the most when it comes to inflammation or stress for a woman, cortisol comes a lot from the progesterone. And now that's why if you ever look, the ladies, if you ever had a big stressful event or if you ever had beat your body up too much or inflammatory, things like that, 
The reason why it throws off your cycle is because it draws from your progesterone because your body will always do everything to survive. And it doesn't really care about your cycle if you're going through a lot of th- something that could kill you. And so what it does, it drains your progesterone. And that's why I women go, doc, I have major stress and I, and, I, and I skipped my period or it delayed it by two weeks or it came two weeks early. That's because it, it throws off all of your anabolics that way. So the catabolic hormone of, of, of cortisol can also affect the anabolic process of a woman's body. It doesn't work that way with men. And that's why I know a lot of people hate this, but you have this kind of audience, so you'll probably understand this. Uh, men are meant to handle a lot of stress. Women are not. Okay. Well, and speaking of which, you also – well, before we leave that topic, it's a very important yeah. topic, uh, but you talked about it earlier. Uh, managing that stress is a critical part of what you guys are helping people to <laughs> – to, to do. And you mentioned breathing techniques. Yeah. So why don't you give us an example of one or two of your favorites? So we give something for people. Yeah. And before we move on to the next uh, topic, yep. is there a certain methodology that's quite yes. easy and very easy? Okay. okay. And, and, and it actually relates to, to a suspensory ligament that actually tugs on your heart. What you need to do is you need to lay face down. Okay. Now, the nice thing about us, obviously, you know, I have chiropractors in my clinics too, is you lay down on the bench and we'll have a person breathe in as deep as they can. And then literally we'll have a practitioner. So it could be your spouse. It could be, you know, a practitioner, have you breathe out and you'll push out and you'll exhaust everything out of possible. And then what you do is this is then the practitioner or the, or the spouse let's go and you breathe in as quickly as possible. There's a suspensory ligament that goes from the lungs up to the heart and actually stretches it. And when that happens, actually there's a lot of mass, massive endorphins that are released. And that's why a person gets up there. They feel the massive endorphin rush and it just calms their nervous system down. Do that three or four times. Literally takes 30 seconds. And literally, that can change your state. I, you have people that come in, in, no joke, panic attacks, things like that, as they're going through their care to recover from this. Uh, that's probably by far number one. That, that I can honestly say, works so simply. Um, it's, it's physiologically responds to every part of your body. It relaxes you quick. The vasodilation, the endorphins of the brain are just, are, are, and it costs you nothing. It costs you 30 seconds of time. Um, Is there a name, a name for this technique? Um, no. No, actually, it's, it's an old Chinese medicine uh, uh, technique and stuff like that. Cool. So cool. It's, uh, and it's just based on the physiology and, and how it affects the heart. And people realize the heart releases a lot of endorphins. And so when you, when you actively stretch it, and that's why, that's why exercise is the least used antidepressant there is. Okay? Right. And, right. Um, and, and we don't realize that, that, that what happens when you move, actually, it's much better for you. Become sedentary yeah. actually makes you more depressed. So that's what yeah. you're doing. You're activating certain parts of your body. So activating endorphins, other hormones that way, they're are fantastic for that. And uh, that's by far, and that's pretty standard in all of our clinics and people doing those things because, and then teaching patients to it. Remember the job of a carpenter is to teach you how to take care of your house, not just depend on the carpenter. You're saying know how to take care of your house. You're not always dependent on everybody all the time. Okay. We're, I could keep you here for a long time. You're obviously an expert. You've got a lot of expertise, a lot of, of uh, experience. Um, and, but we only have so much time. And so I want to have you touch on, if it's possible, we touch on menopause because it's so important. And many women listening yep. uh, are dealing with that or will be soon. And so we'll touch on menopause. Yep. And then I'm going to ask you for uh, some nutritional fitness yep. Yep. Uh, advice. And then we'll talk about how people learn more. So yes. menopause, it's an area of your expertise. Yes. Talk to us about some of the high level obviously we can't dive in and solve yeah. problems, but you can give some good advice. Absolutely. First thing is to understand menopause. Menopause, men have two stages. They have prepubescent and pubescent. They, they will die in puberty, okay? Because they, they, until they're 80, 90 years old. Uh, women have three stages of life. They have prepubescent, they have cyclic, they have menopause. First thing that women have to understand is menopause is not a disease, even though Mayo Clinic has a diagnosis for it. 
Menopause, every woman will make it if they live long enough. But see, here's what happens this. You're, for a woman's body, it's like a domino effect. If their hormones and cyclic years are bad, guess what happens? Menopause is hell on earth for them, okay? But here's what happens. Menopause is not a condition. Menopause is a stage of life. Well, doc, I have hot flashes. I have vaginal dryness. I have bone density problems. Uh-huh. It's called your hormones are too high or too low. What doctor has actually tested all your hormones to know where they're at to make sure when you transition from menopause that everything is normal so you don't go through all the symptoms, which isn't menopause. Actually, the symptoms are coming from because you didn't have a doctor who knew how to take care of you. So when you're in the menopause, it's a bad day. And, they, and just that women have gotten to it, that guess what? Do you understand that menopause is actually easier to keep a woman healthy and vi- vibrant than it is during their cyclic years? Because they're very similar to male hormones. They're straight across. There is no elevations of change. But the sad part is this, women are so sick by the time they get there that they think menopause is a state of life that's, once again, hell on earth. Interesting. Interesting. Ladies, what you have to understand is this. If your estrogen levels are abnormal going into menopause, it's going to be a very bad transition for you because, once again, you can't run a car on an empty fuel tank. And most women go into menopause in a very bad state, and they can end up with some estrogens that are elevated, estrogens that are low, and guess what happens? Now, guess what? The function of those things are bad for every area of your body, including your bone density, your psychiatric aspect that way. And then, see, that's where I differed from everybody. Everybody wants to look for natural treatments or medical treatments. I'm going, listen, guys, without proper testing, just got to get a blood and urine done together, guess what happens? I can, I, I can tell you this. It's not a joke. I've done this so many times. I've done this actually live with some people that interviewed me on podcasts. I said, give me a woman. Give me a woman and let me test her. Because, because estrogen is effective a woman both physically and psychologically – I can look at her labs and probably predict what that woman's going through. And we've done it live before. And I didn't know the woman. I didn't do a history. But if I know that this estrogen is, is abnormal, here's the physical and mental things that's going to cause that woman to go through because hormones are messengers. Do you see what I'm saying? And see, mm-hmm. so when women are telling me, expressing to me what's going on, on diagnostically for them with, oh, doc, I have breast cancer. Oh, doc, I have I'm going, yep, okay, this estrogen, okay, this progesterone, okay, this hormone, this, this, this. And then, okay, but, but listen, let's get analysis done. Let's get proper labs done. And all of a sudden they go, oh my goodness. And that's my job to figure out what threw all those things off and get them normal. And when your body goes back to normal, you'll watch those these processes start to reverse. Fantastic. And, uh, and you have corrected me on one thing. So we don't talk about that as a diagnostic process. We just talk about testing, analysis. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. So after doing that with many, many people, helping many, many people, what are some of the top areas that apply to many? Again, I don't mean to take away at all from the fact that you are doing personalized treatment and and programs, Uh, but at the same time, after doing so many, uh, what are those common denominators and some good, helpful advice for people that would apply to all? Yeah. I will tell you right now, and now a lot of people don't realize this, my actually background before I went to my, my doctors and things like that was actually nutrition. That's actually my true background, okay? Okay. And, and, and so here's what happens. That's what, that's what I originally went to college for because my history of having a gut-brain connection and foods causing – I had major allergies. That's why I had all the things going on. Obviously, as wow. I started to avoid eggs and everything like that, my psychiatric problems cleared up. But here's the point. If, if there's one thing that's universal uh, that can apply to every person on the planet, is the fact that we do not eat enough organ meats. And, 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 and here's what happens. There's nowhere in history, and I can prove to you about a shallow doubt, there's nowhere in history, and that was my big thesis when I was going through college, is the fact that there's any culture in the world that's vegan. It's actually a big fallacy. It's a big lie. Uh, I, I've never met a healthy vegan yet and stuff like that. And this plant-based diet stuff is driving me nuts because uh, there is no such thing as good plant. And people say, well, doc, you know, I can get my, my fat cell vitamins from plants. No, you cannot. 
You cannot, there is no plant that will give you a, a fat soluble vitamin. And most women are deficient. You want to talk about menopause? Ladies, start eating ovaries, start eating, eating, eating. Remember, the three big ones liver, kidney, and actually uh, um, heart. And people, they're wrong. If you go to the basic USDA food crap that's actually soy and corn based cows, I wouldn't eat those organ meats. Those are poisonous. You know what I'm saying? Get your good grass finished stuff that way. There's one thing that happens to this. I can honestly tell you, if all person learned from this podcast was start an organ meats, your health would change overnight. Most people are so mineral and nutrient deficient that they can't even build their body because they're so deficient. And you cannot get it from plants. Sorry, guys. Plants are pro-vitamins. They're not even really vitamins. If you look at like, Doc, well, I'm going to eat a carrot. I'm going to get my vitamin A. No, you're not. You understand that most of you can't even convert your beta carotene into it because you have a bad liver. But on top of it, here's what happens to this. Beta carotene, if you even have a good liver, you're maybe converting 6 to 10%. But if you eat a good, healthy liver, guess what happens? You're hitting actually over about 250% of what you really need just from three ounces. And organ meats are cheap. Organ meats are easy. You can go to an organic butcher right now, and you give them for pennies on a dollar because no one wants them. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> meats. it's a missed, it's a missed art. That's the true superfood. Okay. Uh, it's funny. My dog gets more organ meat than I do because I make her food and I put the organ meat in it. Yep. And uh, I don't like organ meat. So yep. you're going to have to spend a little more time. <laughs> How do you get people? It doesn't taste good. Now, I imagine yep. if you're making this part of your MO, you figured out ways that it's palatable. Yep. But I, when I was a kid, my, my parents tried to make us eat liver on a regular yep. basis, and we hated it. Oh, yeah. My, well, parents, see, my parents are smart. They got I, it, but we did I, not I eat I literally it. eat liverwurst every day with organic heart, kidney, and liver. And obviously, it's got all good organic uh, greets in there. It tastes great. Now, wrong, and we have a recipe for it that way. But here's what happens. You got to remember this. If people look at my favorite product on the planet, that if I could choose one product, it would be apple cider vinegar by far. Okay. Uh, next okay. would be coconut, coconut oil is probably a very close second. Okay. Okay. Uh, food as far as by organ meats by far. Now here's what happens to this. I actually have patience. A big bottle of Bragg's organic apple cider vinegar costs you like maybe 12 bucks. I could not get people. I'd say, take, take some before each meal, blah, 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 blah. And they wouldn't. I'm like, like, oh doc, I just hate the taste. So then I created a pill form, which is $40 a bottle. And you don't get even closest and people bought it like crazy. So no joke. So what I did is I, I actually have, I actually work with some organic. New Zealand has the best grass finish regulations in, in history. No one compares to New Zealand and our stuff. I, I actually, no joke, I bought a bunch of farms out there where we have all the glandulars and we put in a capsule form for people that way. Now, I will tell you, that's more expensive. You can go to an organic butcher, probably in your area, and get liver, kidney, all some of that so much cheaper than try to encapsulate it and do it that way. And I will tell you this, still 90% of the people, 95% of people still buy a glandular product and actually truly get the liver that way. And yes, is it the same? It is. It's just more expensive. You know what I'm saying? And so, and remember this, do you understand that if you eat three ounces of liver, that you can't eat enough food from vegetables and other things that including, and people don't realize, guys, muscle meats are nothing more than pure sugar with nitrogen. That's all this. That's why you see these weightlifters that ate so much ground beef and not only they have big bellies because they, they, they change their protein in the sugar, it just gets rid of the nitrogen base. And that's why you look at the blood labs, their nitrogen's off the hook. And that's where they're sick as can be. Muscle meats in our history have never been meant for high consumption. It's always been organ meats. I want your liverwurst recipe. Uh, yes, it's actually, if it's, it's on the Wellness Way website. It's free, easy, download it. It's fantastic. And, um, and remember, and my liverwurst has liver, heart, and kidney in there, the three best organs you can eat. Uh, no joke. Uh, and I know it sounds funny, but being a male, 
Uh, and you talk about ladies, guess what? There's an old saying nutrition. This is, I, I can pull every nutrition book I have even back from college. The new, most nutrient-dense things in the world are still organ meats. There's not one vegetable that even comes close. Okay, you're not the first person to say that on this podcast. I have a feeling a lot of people believe the same way, but they avoid it because it's too hard of a habit. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. They, they, yeah, thank you. Um, I, and so uh, I can tell, and, and being a supplement guy, I mean, I sell supplements for a living, right? I mean, that's yeah. what Dairobi is. Yep. And okay. uh, everything you're telling me absolutely resonates. It, uh, people will go for convenience, including myself. If I can get some of my phytonutrients from a pill, I'll give you another example, mushrooms. I'm a huge fan of mushrooms. I try to work mushrooms into my diet on a regular basis, but here's what happens. My wife buys them or I buy them, depending who's shopping. They go in the fridge, we use them once, and then they turn into a soggy mess before we use them again, okay? That happens over and over and over. It's the same with avocados. We love avocados. Avocados are like, not ready, not ready, not ready, ready, too late. Yep. Yep, true. <laughs> That's the cycle of an avocado, right? Yeah, it happens fast. And so I actually have mushroom supplements. Yep. Not, not, not me, not at Dairobi. I just buy them. Absolutely. Because I can just take a few pills and yep. get the mushroom phytonutrients that aren't in any other plant. Yep. Because yep. It's funny dealing with mushrooms. mushrooms is too hard. <laughs> the, uh, uh, reishi, shaga, turkey tail, and cordyceps are, are some of the four most uh, important medicinal mushrooms on the planet. Um, obviously, there's other ones and stuff like that, but those four are yeah. probably by far the most important that way. Um, I actually do, and I obviously live in Wisconsin, and of course, we have great birch trees. So I even do shaga and reishi mushroom hunting and things like that. Uh, medicinal mushrooms yeah. are, are essential. Actually, people don't realize this, that a lot of the antibiotics and a lot of chemotherapy drugs can actually come from medicinal mushrooms and yeah. stuff. And, uh, um, and that's a great part. But uh, those uh, medicinal mushrooms are a whole other topic because uh, if you look at the immune factors, if people have been doing medicinal mushrooms, which can actually, once you test the immune system, you can figure out what medicinal mushroom your body needs. And guess what happens? It'd be, it's a whole huge factor there. It could affect COVID dramatically. Hey, and for those of you with Netflix, watch the show Fantastic Fungi. It is yep. absolutely fantastic. Yep. And uh, I also have an episode with uh, one of the real thought leaders uh, of, of mushrooms in the, in the world. And, uh, and we did an interview just uh, six months ago, maybe. He lives on Vancouver Island, British Columbia, which yep. is a really great mushroom growing area. And um, uh, actually brought some mushrooms from the East to America in the 70s for the first time. So, um, boy, I shouldn't say all that while I have forgotten his name. Paul <laughs> but if Stammett? You go to, what's that? Paul Stammett? No, it was Paul. Paul. Yeah, Paul's, uh, Paul's amazing. Actually, he's okay. actually probably okay. well, maybe the number I should one. get him on as well. But if you he, would, he, is, the- he is by far the number one medicinal mushroom expert in the world. Uh, he's out in Washington. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, the old world forest out there going out there. Trust me. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely fantastic and stuff. So he's a, he's a great person you want to interview. Fantastic. Well, another subject for another day. I've kept you a little bit over time, but thank you so much for bearing in with me. And how do people learn more about you? It's actually really simple. Uh, just the wellnessway.com. Actually, uh, that's where all of our clinics, everything comes that way. Uh, it's kind of fun. And um, I have literally thousands of videos on there, uh, all just free informational videos talking about, you know, and it really, it really, my videos really focus on labs. It really does. Mm-hmm. And showing, for example, because um, that was really creates the individuality because, and you can see that um, I actually love talking about products. But products can only, in my view, be determined by what an individual needs. And the individual needs got to come from what their testing really says. I love that. Test, don't guess. Yep. Uh, people hear that on my show all the time. Yep. I get tested in one way or another every six months. And yep. I encourage everyone else to do the same thing. Yep. And you are 
uh, a doctor who can help them with that and even have some unique tests that could determine things that uh, other people might miss. So that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, Dave. I really appreciate it. It has been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For those of you listening, this is Dave Sherwin wishing you health and success. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget about all the free resources on dirobi.com. That's D-I-R-O-B-I.com. Also, find the show notes for this episode by clicking on the podcast link there on the website. And if you want to pick any of our world-class products while you're there, use code podcast to get 10% off anything you like. Mm-hmm.